Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I am Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It's our 782nd day in the Word of God, and we are here in Job chapter 2. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the life of Job and what we can learn, how we can be benefited and, and be blessed by what Job endured and how he endured it and by what you gave us in your word here. We pray that you would write it on our hearts. We pray that you would help us to understand, to receive, to believe, to respond in faith and love and obedience for the glory of your name in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Job chapter 2. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. He still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, all that a man has he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to his face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand. Only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a piece of broken pottery with which to scrape himself while he sat in the ashes. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die! But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Now, when Job's three friends heard of all this, evil that had come upon him, they came each from his own place. Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite. They made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and comfort him. And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. And they raised their voices and wept. And they tore their robes and, and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. Imagine, I, I can't even begin to imagine the level of pain and suffering. Losing one child, losing all of your children, all of your worldly possessions, and then being afflicted with these painful sores so that you just sit in the dust and scrape yourself with bits of pottery, and then your wife is not even encouraging you. She's just saying, curse God and die. I just, it blows my mind, the level of suffering, the intensity of it. Anybody who says, oh, they've suffered more than Job. I've heard that a few times in my life. Oh, I've suffered more than Job. No, you haven't. Just no, 
you haven't. Stop, okay? This is next level. The only person who's ever suffered more than Job is Jesus. Very significant. Remember, the whole Old Testament is pointing us to Jesus. On one level, the biggest level, I think, is showing us our need for Christ. But also, we're getting foreshadowings, and we're getting pointing ahead to Christ. And Christ is the righteous sufferer. So when people ask the question, why do bad things happen to good people? One answer I heard, I forget who said it originally, but why do good bad things happen to good people? The real answer to that question is, well, that only happened once, and he volunteered talking about Jesus. Well, this is another example, though, really. It's in the Bible. Job was a good man. He was upright and blameless. He feared God. He turned away from evil. He held fast to his integrity. In all this, he did not sin against God with his lips, and yet bad things happened to him. The worst things that you can imagine happening for his family, for all of his wealth, for his personal health, it's all come under attack. And so this is an example. This is really the book in the Bible that's given to help us wrestle with this. And it doesn't give us simplistic answers. There are lots of simplistic answers to it. One of which is kind of that that quip of that only happened once and he volunteered. There's a truth to that. But in, in essence, kind of what that answer is saying is, well, everyone is bad and everyone kind of deserves the bad things that happen to them. Job is actually saying the opposite of that. Yes, everyone is sinful, but the Bible doesn't say that everyone deserves the bad that happens to them because of their sin. That's actually to learn the opposite of the lesson from Job. There's not a one-to-one correspondence of the worse sinner you are, the worse your suffering is. And so if you sin really bad, you're going to suffer really bad. And if you honor God with your life, you're going to be blessed and kept. That kind of teaching, prosperity gospel, whether it's hardcore or soft, whether it's spoken or unspoken, this assumption that good people are protected and blessed by God, but bad people have hard lives and suffer, that's just not biblically accurate, okay? There may be some level of truth to it, but it cannot be applied universally, and so many exceptions to that rule abound that it really is not, it's not upheld by scripture as an absolute truth in every situation. And Job is really given to us to help us wrestle with that, with that issue. And so Satan is the one who is actually afflicting Job. Now, should we understand these scenes in heaven literally? Should we imagine that this is exactly what happened, that Satan went to God and they had this exact conversation? Or is this an example of where God is condescending to speak to us in terms that we can understand? In other words, is this an example of what theologians call anthropomorphic language, where God speaks of himself in human terms so that we can understand, like it says, Is the Lord's arm too short to save? God doesn't literally have arms that are either long or short. It's an expression. Is this in that category? I don't know. It's true, right? The Bible is true. But I do think there's some level at which things are being simplified and explained to us in a way that we can understand. Because we we can't really understand the mind of God or the divine counsel or how exactly all these spiritual forces interact with each other. So what is here is true, but it may be given to us in language that we can understand that's almost allegorical to sort of understand 
how this might have happened. Now, I think Job was a real person. I think he really suffered. I think all these things are historical truth. But I think that perhaps this conversation between God and Satan is a way of God explaining to us in ways that we can understand without intending us for us to take it like absolutely literally like this is the way the conversation unfolded in heaven. I don't know. Um, I, I think it's um, a little bit difficult to say with 100% certainty. Um, so what we do know is that Job had horrible, horrible, miserable things happen to him. And these loathsome sores, it just makes me, my stomach hurt almost to like read it. Loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he takes a piece of broken pottery with which to scrape himself while he sat in the ashes. The ashes of his burned down house, of his destroyed wealth. Everyone's dead, except for him and his wife. And all he can do is scrape himself. He's so disfigured, shaved head, sores all over his body, sitting in the ashes. He's so disfigured, his friends don't recognize him when they come from a distance. And what's his wife doing? Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. So the one person in his family who's still alive is basically telling him, come on, Job, give it up. Just curse God and die. Just surrender. He's got no hope. He's got no help. And so he says to her, in the integrity that is there still, by God's grace, we're supposed to see the unseen grace of God upholding him through this. By the integrity that he has by the grace of God, he says to her, you speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? That's a great attitude. Between chapter 1 and chapter 2, the, these responses that are recorded by Job are great. Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I shall return. The Lord gives. The Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? Blessed be the name of the Lord. That is how we should respond to suffering. Even when it hurts so badly and we have no answers, no explanation, there is no good human explanation. There's no explanation really understandable from a human perspective. But we say simply, I'm going to trust God and he knows what he's doing. I'm going to say that he's good and I'm going to receive what he asks for me. And I'm not going to curse him, but I'm going to bless his name. And then Job's friends show up. We have Eliphaz, who is from the city of Teman, which means he's an Edomite. Uh, the city of Teman and Edom uh, is kind of known for wisdom. Uh, Bildad, the Shuhite, right? Bildad is from Shua, uh, one of the sons of Abraham from his marriage to Keturah um, is, is uh, Shua. And then you have um, Zophar, the Naamathite. Uh, Nama is the name of a woman who's listed in the genealogy of Cain, from whom the Kenites were descending. Remember Joshua, uh, uh, Joshua's friend Caleb, Caleb the Kenite. Um, so we have these are these are not Israelites. They're all identified for us as being from places that are not Israel. Uh, Job is from the land of Uz in the east. These are people of the east, and then you have someone from Moab. Um, someone from basically the Midianite area, and then someone from uh, the descendants of, of, of Cain. Uh, so, you know, descendants of Cain 
from, from the Kenites. So these are not God's covenant people. They do believe in God. They are going to say true enough things about God. They're going to apply them badly. But the first thing they do right here in chapter two, I just want to say before we get into the other chapters where we're going to have a lot of bad things to say about Job's friends. Job's friends are kind of legendary and history is being terrible. At least here in chapter two, they're being good friends. They're coming. Why are they coming? They're not coming to look at him and laugh at him. They're not coming to tease him or ridicule him. They're coming to show him sympathy and, and comfort him. So they come with the right motive. And when they see him and they don't recognize him, they raise their voices and they weep and they tear their robes and they sprinkle dust on their heads toward heaven and they sit with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, not speaking a word, for they saw that his suffering was very great. They don't rush in and act like they know it all. They are slow to speak. They are quick to sympathize. They are there to comfort him. That's good. That's good. If only they had kept their mouth shut. Or if only they had just prayed for him and given him whatever help they could. But that's not where the story ends, is it? So in a couple of days, we'll pick up with Job chapter 3. Tomorrow, we're going to take a detour into 1 Thessalonians 4 first. For us today, from Job chapter 2, what we need to learn is when great suffering comes, we need to see it as what God has for us and something that we need to accept. Shall we accept good from the Lord and not accept evil? We may not understand it, but we need to accept it. And when our friends are going through difficult things, don't keep our distance. Don't avoid them because it's hard. Be with them and weep with them. Comfort them. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being with us as our God and Father. Thank you for never failing. You're the one we can always rely on. Be our God, be our Father, be our friend. We need you. We need you to support us in every season of life because when we're blessed and we have an abundance, we're quick to think that it's our own doing. And when we're suffering, we're quick to doubt you. Be with us in every season of life and sustain us by your grace, just as you sustain Job by your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for joining me for Job chapter 2. Have a blessed day in the Lord. Mm -hmm.